Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children from around the world, welcome back to the Level Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Seegers. Uh, we're glad to be back with you today. We've got something very special uh, coming down the pipe today, or the pipe, however you want to say it, and something new, something different. And uh, we're going to get into it in just in a minute. But as we always do, let's go ahead and do the housekeeping. Go ahead and do the the things that nobody really wants to listen to first. Uh, number one, find us on Facebook at the Level Ground Podcast. Find the page, like it, and go and and engage in the post. Like the post that we put there. Comment on the post. Share the post. Whatever. Find us on Instagram, levelground.22. We're going to start posting. If you want to get updates about when episodes are coming out, what the episodes are going to be, social media is going to be where you find it. Um, also, if you want to reach out to us and talk to us about anything, Facebook Messenger, send us a DM on Instagram. And you can send us an email at levelgroundpod22 at gmail.com. And if anybody needs a Bible, I mean anybody, no matter where you're from, if you're from Russia, if you're from Timbuktu, if you're from Australia, if you're from North Georgia somewhere and you need a Bible, know anybody that needs a Bible, think about somebody that might possibly need a Bible later on down the road, send them to us, we'll get them a Bible free of charge. We want you to have a copy of God's Holy Word. Now, we've been praying, we've been kind of anxious and kind of looking towards some things that we could do to change things up here on the podcast, give you something a little different to listen to so that you don't have to listen to me every single time. And today, I am proud to announce that we have our very first special guest on the Level Ground Podcast, and we have Brother Jonathan Martin here with us today. Uh, Say hello, Jonathan. Hello. It is good to be here. Uh, this is he is the pastor of Setting Down Baptist Church in Cumming, I think it is, ain't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, so we we got to talking about this thing and kind of wondering maybe exactly what we could do and how we could uh, talk about some different things. And I felt like we ought to jump into the topic of anxiety today and kind of talk about how real it is and uh, and what all you know. Uh, transpires from that. Before we get into that, so tell us a little bit about you, maybe when you were saved, when you announced your preacher calling, things like that, and we'll go from there. Well, uh, let's see. The Thanksgiving of when I was eight, I heard my mom's testimony, and she she began to tell me about how the Lord had convicted her and how that she became lost, and I was getting to that age where I was questioning a lot of things and wondering, you know, asking the question, how will I know? How will I know? And she had begun to tell me and I, being me and wanting to be kind of hit off by myself, I kept going to other people's testimonies and taking where they had been saved at and trying to get saved there. And that was kind of when conviction started falling. And then as it rolled around into the the summer of being nine, um, I'd tried to get saved behind the barn. I'd tried to get saved in the back of the car. I've tried everywhere. And uh, my grandpa, Royal Martin, he's a he's a preacher around here. Um, he came to me, and it was Tuesday night of revival, and, and said, son, you, you're just going to have to do. You know what you have to do. And um, I, you know, was feeling sick. I, I tried to do my best to get out of the church. And so mom was like, well, he is turning pale. Let's get him outside. And then as soon as we got outside, she says, well, are you okay? And I said, I need to go pray. So mm-hmm. we came back in and we prayed and the, the Lord saved me. And it, it was just that I believe the Lord saved me as soon as I, as soon as I made the motion to saying, I have to go. It, it was that movement. It was one, I guess, is the, is the, uh, the prodigal son, when he came to himself and he says, I, I have to go. Yeah. Like hey, He came to us and he knew that he had to turn from the direction he was going. He had to go back to the father. And um, as I was saved when I was nine, and then my older cousin, he, he told his preacher calling when uh, I was 13. And as my grandmother told me about it, I was pushing my little cousin on the swing in their yard. And it just so happened it was the same grandparents that, my grandpa that came to me when I was lost and uh, kind of called me out. It was his wife that had told me that Nick had told his preacher calling. And I remember the Lord, it, we was just out there playing, and I remember the Lord said, you're going to have to do this. And just being the preachers, my dad's a preacher as well. And so 
just everybody picking at me and uh, saying, you're going to be a preacher. You're going to be one of them Martin preachers. So just hearing all that, I kept, when the Lord, is, it's just all these people talking. It ain't you. It's it's all these other people. And so was the, um, I, I told the Lord, I says, if you'll give me the, you'll give me a woman that will stand by me. I saw my, I saw all my, my dad and my grandpa go down this road. And I said, Lord, if you will give me a woman that will stand beside me through this walk, I will do it. And it wouldn't be just a couple days. I met my wife. And I said, well, that was just too easy. And I kept trying to run, tip, trying to do everything in the world to get away from it. But then um, I said, Lord, you give me an opportunity to do this, and I will do it. And I, I kid you not, our pastor at the time, Sam Rickett, we, um, me, and, me and Hannah was in the, she knew. She, it's funny, when she was little, she said, I knew I was going to marry a preacher, but um I told her that, you know, that I was struggling with it. And mm-hmm. I, I told her that I'd been praying about it, that I would have an opportunity. And when I got serious about an, an opportunity, we walked in to uh, the Bible school kickoff, which was in the beginning of June. And we always went to church camp the third week of June. And he said, I want you to take care of Friday night. He was sitting behind the door and I never even got to close the door. And I just heard that voice come from behind me. Oh, you've been on my heart. I've been meaning to ask you. And so um, that was... He gave me the opportunity, and I had full intentions of that Friday night at church camp just to go up, just to do a little devotion, and if the Spirit of the Lord did not come on me, and I do not know what I said, all I remember is when I came to myself, the tears flowing out of my eyes and saying, I I was hearing myself say it, but I was not mm-hmm. meaning to say it, Yeah, but uh, that the Lord had been on me for a while, and I had to do this, and mm-hmm. I'd been called to preach, and um. As I, as I was calling everybody around, everybody was like, boy, you said a mouthful. And I knew I had, but the best advice my grandpa gave me, he said, son, the Lord knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He will do you like a horse, and he'll take a carrot, and he'll put it in front of you, and he'll coax you along one step at a time. Yeah. So don't try to run past him. You just follow him, and he'll let you grow, and he'll let you mature in the gospel and preaching, and he'll, he'll bless you and let you let you learn as you go so don't you don't want to be one of these fast growing trees that just grow up real fast and then fall over he said be just let the lord lead you as slow as just have the patience and the lord will lead you and guide you in all things and the bible you just stay in it and stay true to it and um that's that's i guess that's my testimony well i mean you want to be deep-rooted anyways i mean a a christian that's not deep-rooted you look at a tree. If a tree ain't got deep roots, a good gust of wind come by, the tree's going to blow over. Um, That's right. But I, I, I appreciate, you know, the fact when you said you was ready to announce your preacher calling, you got serious with God. And and I think that's what a lot of us are missing now is we just don't take the time to get serious with God, to really get in there and, and realize we are fallible beings serving an infallible God, and we have to get serious with God at some point. We That's have right. to realize that. That's right, and you have to take him at his word. Mm-hmm. And when he says that he will never leave us or forsake us, that's really what he meant. He yep. is the shepherd. He's not going to leave his sheep. And, and that kind of leads us into what we was talking about today. I mean, you look at, and the reason you know we're here talking today about anxiety is because when my, when I had my bout and and when I struggled with the things that I struggled with, you were one of the ones that I talked to a lot. And I know that me and you go kind of go through a lot of the same things, but. If you look at the statistics of what anxiety is like in in the world, just in general, I mean, it's astronomical how many people actually have it. And then out of all the people that have it, there's only about 30, 37 percent that actually get help. And so as I like when I was praying and trying to figure this out, you know, I thought, well, a lot of those are Christians. Even in the church, people will be anxious and have anxieties of some sort, some sort of worry. Worry brings on depression and worry and or anxiety and depression, they will bring forth doubt every single time. Every time. I mean, and and I don't know about you. I don't know how you, how you feel with it. And and but with me, when whenever I've struggled with anxiety, different things in my anxiety, I've um, it's not led to me. I've never doubted my salvation, but I've doubted my preacher calling. Right. I mean, the change that God made in me I, that when I was saved, there, there's no doubt in that. But in preaching. That's a whole different ball game. I get the second I get anxious, I'm like, "That's it. God didn't call me to preach," you know. Um, 
and and you may be the same way. You may not. I might be the crazy one, you know. But, um, but you know, I, I kind of I got to thinking. I got to reading some scripture. And fun fact to everybody who's listening, I told him to get some scripture together too. So we don't know where we're going with this. We have nothing planned. This is brand new, and we're talking back and forth. Um, but I looked at this one, and it and it this scripture kind of honestly describes me and how I am the best. And it's Psalms 94 verse 19. It says, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Every time that I have dealt with anxiety, and and, I mean, I've gotten in bad places. Every time I've dealt with it, in the multitude of my thoughts, as my thoughts have rolled like a snowball downhill, the only thing that would ever bring comfort is when I finally let my hands up, say, God, you're in control. You're the one who has the mercy upon me. You're the one who has thoughts towards me. And when I focus on God, the multitude of my thoughts is stripped away. And God comforts me in that, you know? Yeah. It's good. Um, I'm the same way. I, I always doubt my preacher calling. But it's it's when I get alone in my thoughts that I doubt the most. And I don't, I don't know, maybe. Um, but what has helped me more with my anxiety than anything else is if I will cut everything off I'll put the phone down I'll cut the computer off and it'll just be me and my Bible and mm-hmm. everything else is quiet and I you know it and just it focus on him and not necessarily of what I'm going through but take him at his word we're more than the lilies we're more, we can't add a cubit to our height we cannot do anything for ourselves we mm-hmm. are sheep we're going to tip over. He's going to have to shear us. He's got to lead us. He's got to protect us. And our our grand problems is nothing in the eyes of God. No. Not, and he will overcome it every time. But we have to quit looking at ourselves and start looking at him. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's like, um, you know, everybody wants to talk about the Ten Commandments. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll follow those Ten Commandments. You'll love your neighbors yourself. You will love your will love God with all your heart, soul, mind. You'll follow Him, but you know I just anxiety is something that and nobody wants to talk about it. No, but, nobody yeah. does. And once you, I guess, once we jumped outside and said, you know, this stuff is really bothering me, and voiced that. Every preacher that I've talked to, I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I worry about the same thing. I get out of the pulpit and knowing that God has just had me in his hands and I got beside myself wondering, did I say something wrong? Mm-hmm. Did I did I do something that would disgrace you? Did I say something wrong? Did I say the wrong name? Did I because I wasn't I wasn't present. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can even say this that a lot of people want to say the devil made me do it. The devil done this. The devil done that. With anxiety, it's a whole different ball game. The devil might plant the seed, but our brains take it and run with it on its own. Yeah, and um, and that that's a big thing with me is like you know you you said you talk to a lot of people, and even though we keep it under wraps and we hide it, you've talked to a lot of people that's felt that way. I think that's the problem in the church is that for a long time, and I'm not saying nothing against old preachers at all, and you know when I say this that I'm not, but. I can't tell you how many times I've heard a preacher get behind the pulpit and say, God can do for you what no pill can. And you don't need to go to the doctor. You don't need to get treatment. You don't need to uh, to seek any kind of counseling. Now, by all means, I'm not saying go get doped up and go find some uh, left-wing therapist to just coddle you the whole time. No, but if you get diabetes and you, your blood sugar's high, what are you going to do? You're going to go get medicine for your diabetes. And uh, if you get high blood pressure, you're going to go get a pill for your high blood pressure. And and so sometimes you need help. And and honestly, when I had got to the place that I was in, I knew I needed some kind of help. And talking to people, talking to preachers, and, and getting counseling in that way helped me some because it helped me work through what I was going through. But ultimately, when I prayed about it, I prayed and asked God to give me a piece on what I needed to do. And finally, when I realized what way God wanted me to go and how, how I need to get this under wraps, when I finally accepted that there was treatment that I needed to get, God was like, all right, you trusted me. I give the doctors the power to come up with a whatever or give this person the, the advice to help you. 
Now I'm going to help you in a spiritual way. Because what had happened was I was trying to fill my body up with with anything other or anything that would push anxiety out of my brain. And and when I finally started getting calmed down, getting back to, you know, level ground a little bit and getting where I could really just look and see where I needed to be, God started blessing again. And and it wasn't that he wasn't blessing before, but I was finally able to notice it again. Um but that's one of the things about it. I think that we're so ashamed of these anxieties that we get into and these worries. And and some of it's not even, I don't think it's diagnosed. I think it's just we have worries and we have fears and we have cares. Right. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, you have, I'm not, don't take this wrong, but like you said, diabetes. I think a lot of people will just go and I'm going to eat five candy bars. Well, you know, you brought that on yourself. Yep. And like, don't blame God for what you went off and you got out in the brambles, you know, out in the briar thicket. And a lot of a lot of mine, when I was, I would get so anxious and I was like, okay, I'm going to get on social media. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it would just mound up. And when I would come back from it, I was like, this is even worse than what I thought. I was watching all these people and why this, you know. One thing or another, and I enjoy I enjoy deer hunting. And so it's like, well, why can't I kill all these big deer? Why can't I do all this? And I would get so caught up in things of the world that I would take my eyes off the main prize and go, God, why aren't you helping me with this? Mm-hmm. Why? Am, and God wouldn't, don't get me wrong, he'll talk to me in the deer stand, and I enjoy it. Yeah. But I would get so caught up in this that I would forget who I was mm-hmm. and that was part of my anxiety was I was forgetting who I was. Mm-hmm. And I was eating five candy bars at a time. And why do I feel so bad? Well, you just eat five candy bars. Exactly. And so. I mean, you know, and that's, that's the big thing is when we finally pull back and no matter what place that we're in, whether you're, and, and whoever's listening in podcast land, they may not understand how it feels to be this way, but Honestly, at the end of the day, there are some things that any of us do that are going to stand in the way between us and God. And it could be a health problem. It could be uh, sin in our life. It could be uh, hobbies. It could be whatever that stands in the way between us and God. But when we finally let that to the side and that we let God pull that to the side, get the weeds out of the out of the garden, get the kudzu out of the field or whatever, right. and... Let him get rid of all the trash, all the junk, burn it off. We finally, we, we can be renewed in a sense with God where we once were. And honestly, I hate to say this, and, and this sounds terrible when I say it, but I think a lot of times when people hit rock bottom, God lets them hit rock bottom because when you hit rock bottom, the only place you got to look is up. Right. And and I think so many times that's what a lot of us when if you feel like you've hit rock bottom, that's what you've got to do. You've got to look up. You got to find God, and get, then let Him take and get rid of all the trash, get rid of all the stuff that has hindered your walk with Him, and just give Him full reign of it. It doesn't mean that it's ever it's always going to go away, but you know God will help you with it, right? Because you've you've as a prodigal son, like you're tired of eating the husk. Mm-hmm. You know there's better. And I'm not going to say that I, I'm, I've defeated anxiety, but because I haven't. But it, it it's gotten a lot easier when I when I started reading and not necessarily just reading it, but believing every word, every word that is it's even deeper than what the word says. It is so much better than what the word says. And you know we we're tempted, and in in First Corinthians. It, uh, I believe it's the 10th chapter, the 13th verse. It says, There is no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with, but will with temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And I think a lot of my problems when I was really dealing with anxieties was that I was not taking the escape route. Mm-hmm. He was he was showing it to me, but I was saying, no, it's got to be more than this. It's got to be more than this. You are not, you, this is 
it's it's a lot bigger than what you're able to handle. And yeah. I was I was you know I'm a preacher and I was in my mind I'm I'm shortchanging God mm-hmm. and not taking him at what he said and not letting him not letting him take it. Yeah. And I mean you think about I, I read an article talking about how a helicopter spins out of control and there's some kind of mechanism at the top of this helicopter that if it ever gets off kilter that entire helicopter will start spinning in the rotation of the propellers. And then next thing you know, every time that happens, 90% of the time, there's going to be a crash take place. And and I've been in that place. I, I've thought about that helicopter an awful lot. I've been in that mm-hmm. place where I felt like I was spinning out of control. And I was just like you. I, in my mind, I was like, there, there's got to be a way out of this. There's got to be a way out of this. And, and maybe i got to do this and this whole big issue or this whole big way that I've got to go, this whole big thing that I've got to do, um, whatever it may be, um, you know, and I thought that maybe this some big answer would be my way out of it. But ultimately, it was something simple. And for me, when I found myself in an anxious place and found myself lost in my thoughts, my multitude of thoughts and all these things, spinning out of control... What it was, was I had given, I don't want to say given too much. You can never give too much. But I had went so much that my flesh had gotten worn down. And it had gotten weak to the things of the world. And I had to take, and I had to, when I finally got separated from the things of the world and let God have control of the helicopter, God get it back in gear where it needed to go and let him just do with me what he will and then refill my tank then I was better. Thing, things got better for me. And and I think so many times we we shortchange God in the aspect of we think that God doesn't want to deal with our problems. And at least that's what I thought. I mean, and I always think that, God, you're so busy. You've got so many people you that need blessings more than me. There's people that are hungry, you know. There's people that are starving, ain't got no money, and this, that, and the other. Why would you deal with little old me who gets nervous every time the thunder claps? I mean, you know, and but God is a big God, and he has the power. He is omnipotent. He has all power. He is omniscient, and he's omnipresent. He, he's got all power. He knows everything and can be everywhere at the same time. Why would I think that God can't help me in my issue, whatever it may be? But, I mean, you know, and I mean, I, I, and I thought about this scripture, too, and I don't, I don't know really what all you've looked at. But again, in Psalms chapter 61, he said, and this is the first verse, it says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. That's what I have to do. I mean, when when I finally get to the place that and I realized that I need to be led to the rock that's bigger than me, where I get to my shelter, where I get to my strong tower, and I've got to be led back to that. When I finally find my place in the cleft of the rock, hidden from the storm and from the world, that's when I get my help. Every time I try to do it on my own out in the middle of a field, pouring down rain, and, and the rains of trouble are pouring around me, I'm never going to do any good, but when God finally grabs me by the nape of the neck, and I let him to, and he puts me in the cleft, he does like a uh, mama hen does, and gathers her brood under her wings, when he finally does that to me, then I find comfort and I find peace, and he gives me what I need. The Bible says I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread, and every time I've went hungry, I've went hungry because I've chose to go hungry. Right. I mean, and... And that I think we we need to realize that as as Christians as a whole, if you're going hungry spiritually, you've chose to go hungry. The table's spread. There's plenty of the box. He told his disciples, "Come and dine." We got to get up, pull up to the table, put a napkin in our shirt, grab a fork, grab a knife, and go to eating because it's there. He's got plenty of it. He's got a storehouse of abundance for us. But and it's not of works. No, it's you come to eat. Mm-hmm. The table has been set. You just show up and eat. Come ready to eat. And uh, you was talking about uh, a little piece of scripture. Psalms 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? 
you know, I thought about if you'll read that whole chapter of the 22nd Psalm, how it talks about that, how he's, it was Jesus. When he hung on the cross, he said the same mm-hmm. thing. He was quoting the 22nd Psalm. And why have you forsaken me? If you'll read the end of that, there's victory. There was no one forsaken. Oh. The, Jesus and the Father was one, and there was no even even they pierced his side. He he hung by his. If he had ever had a thought about me or you, if he had ever doubted it one second, it would have been no good. But he went all the way so that he would not, so that he could have that relationship. Mm-hmm. So there would be no leaving. There's no forsaken. He he bore it all. He there's nothing that his that we're gonna face. That he did not face, that he did not overcome, that he did not make a way out for us because he loved us, and yeah. that's that none should perish. And if you look at perish up, is that it was never existed, like mm-hmm. it was just a puff of smoke, like it was never even there to begin with. It was not his will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance, that all would come to believing, and it, 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 their victory is there. It's yeah. just claim it. Exactly. I'm not saying name it and claim it, but I'm saying the victory is ours. We're adopted in. It said we're going to get a new name. That new name is God's name because we are His now. Mm-hmm. That if we've made heirs and joint heirs, we're with Christ. With Christ, we're royalty. And and it's funny now at when this drops, when this episode airs, we're right now about four weeks, roughly more or less out. There's going to be a whole bunch of other ones come out and. When all the listeners listen to this episode, they're going to think, oh, well, he just listened to the other podcast episodes, and he knows what Grayson's been talking about in the other. No. What you just mentioned touched all over what we've talked about with justification and mercy and grace and all of these things. And and we mentioned a story, and I'm about to give you a spoiler because this episode hadn't even dropped yet, but I'm going to tell you. Uh, there was a story about this king, and and this king pretty much, he was looking for for a thief that was in his kingdom and and where they were from and and they had done all these bad things and kept stealing but it was a peaceful kingdom and everybody seen him as a merciful king but he was all also a just king and um and he so a thief came in and started stealing stuff and started taking from people in the kingdom week after week after week he went looking and sent people looking for this criminal and kept the the punishment for crime kept going up and up and up and up and up and finally, it was like 50 lashes, I think he said. And and then one day, the squire come in and, and said, King, we've found the thief. And when the crowd parts and he looks in the crowd, there stands his mother. And what the king done was he wanted to be just because of his sovereignty as king, but he also wanted to be merciful because he loved his kingdom. And he, what he done is he sat there and as the whipmaster brought the whip back to give his mother the first lash because she was guilty, he told him to wait. And he said, don't you do anything yet. And he took and he placed his crown back on the throne. And he took his robe off and he laid it and his, or his royal tunic or whatever you want to call it and laid it down on the throne and then took and laid his body over his mother so that punishment was served, but also he showed his mother mercy at the same time. That's exactly what Jesus Christ done for us is he took on the form of man and, and was like us, and, and in all ways was tempted like we are. And I believe this. Truly when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He really felt like God himself had turned his back on him. And he truly felt like, I don't want to say he ever doubted God's existence, God's power, because Jesus Christ was God. But no doubt he thought to himself, why has God turned his back on me? Why has my father turned his head away from this? Even though, even though he was in that place. And I believe that was the human in him coming out. He was still perfect. He did not sin in that. But he was just like we are. And even in the flesh, he had all of these things come up on him. And, I, and that's part of the reason why when we think about salvation and what Jesus Christ done for us on the cross, there's a reason he had to take on the form of a man and take on the form of the, this flesh. There were things, I mean, you just look at the crucifixion alone and the, the beating and the battering and the the scorning and whatever else that took place upon him and all of those things, he had to do that for the sacrifice to even count. Had Jesus Christ never took on the flesh like what we wear, that sacrifice would have been null and void. It would have been worthless. It would have been useless. 
But because he took on the flesh and came as a man, that meant something. One of our own came. And and God knows the place that we're in. God knows the things that we go through, whether it's anxiety, doubt, depression, whether it's something else, whether you have other problems, whatever that God knows those. And God will help us. He wants to be a strong tower for us. We've got to let him. If we don't let him, then we're going to sit there in that place just time and time again over and over, and we're never going to get out of it. But, I mean, you you think about the scripture where it said, David said that he pulled me up out of the miry clay, he set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And now when we're saved, he does that in a sense. He pulls us out of the miry clay of sin, sets our feet upon the rock, we're grounded and we're grounded in God, and, and an old preacher used to say he had slipped and slid all over that rock, but he never fell off. But also in a sense of just from day-to-day life, we get dirty. We get things on us. We get things that, that come our way that stand between us and God. And every now and again, in a different sense from salvation, mind you, God has to pull us out of that miry clay again and say, all right, get back on this rock. Get your feet grounded back here. He cleans us up, dusts us off. Because he loves us, he has our best interest in mind. Even, I mean, he loves us, and because he loves us, sometimes that does take him letting us hit rock bottom so that he can teach us that we can't live and go through life without him. Yeah. But uh, I'm telling you, I get tore up and start talking and everything, and and I get plumb tore up sometimes, honestly. I mean, but... um, but seriously, I mean, you can look at this, and I don't, I don't know if you've been that way, but I, I found myself in, in revivals where, and services and everything else where I've sat there and I've been like, well, God, are you here? Uh, God, what if I mess up? God, have I said something wrong? I've, there's been times I've been behind the pulpit and I've stuttered worse than Porky Pig, and the first thing that happened, I'll get in the truck. And I'll be so tore up when I get in the truck because I was over there, that, 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 that's all, folks. And... I will not sleep that night because of it. And But God is there the whole time saying, look, you tried your best to do what I wanted you to do. And that's what God only that's what God wants out of us is our best. He doesn't expect us. He told the children of Israel in one place. I think it was in the book of Hosea. He told them what they had done was they had a false sense of religion. They were doing everything right traditionally. They were doing everything uh, right uh, as far as the way they appeared to man, but inside and the way they were living was not the way that God wanted them to live. And he told them that he would rather them know the righteousness of him and know his mercy than for the burnt offerings and the sacrifices that they were offering to him. They were offering them in vain just out of tradition. And I think God has the same intentions toward us. He said, you know, look, if you'll just do and give your best and try your best, I see that. God sees our efforts, regardless of what place we're in. Um, but, you know, I, I and honestly, I kind of thought about this the other day. Uh, the writer said in one place, I think it was Jeremiah chapter 18, that he would do with us like the clay. Jeremiah went down to the potter's house, and he said, There I'll cause thee to hear my words. And he walked into the potter's house, and the potter wrought a work on the wheels, and he made up the vessel again and, and crushed it back down, and, and it was marred in his hand, but he built it again a new vessel. And the Bible said that um, that the Lord said to Israel, I can do with you, O house of Israel, just like the potter does with his clay. He can take us, even though we're marred and we're, we're an ugly vessel, and we might have been warped and marred in his hand. He can take us and make us again a new vessel. But yeah, that's that's the that's the Father we serve. He is able to take us and clean us back up. Get those get get us cleaned back up. And we don't like when he reaches in and pulls those sticks out and we and the rocks and all the things that we've put inside ourselves. But he'll get them out, mm-hmm. you know. But the. The two pieces of scripture that's kind of, it keeps coming. I don't know really how it's, but it, it says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. If if we are in the, in the 20, this is out of the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, and then the 28th verse, it says, And we know that all things work good together for them that love God and 
them who are called according to his purpose. I get so caught up in wanting things to happen mm-hmm. today. I want it to happen tomorrow. I'm, I'm, but God is not like that. He, when he started it, he started from the very beginning prophesying for Jesus to come. And, you know, his, uh, that he made it. He took it all the way down through time so that all of these things could be fulfilled. And, uh, you know, no doubt, Abraham wished that Jesus was there. A, or Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Elijah and Elisha and all those that saw things afar off that come in the faith looking, you know, even a, I believe it was Elijah that wrapped his head up in the mantle and says, mm-hmm. just kill me. After God answered with fire, uh, he answered with fire and, and he said, just kill me. And he said, they, you don't even know what I'm working on over here. No. There's, wouldn't it? Was it seven hundred or seven thousand? Yeah. They had they not. Was, there was a bunch of them over. There was a bunch of them that had not bowed their bowed their knee to bow. Mm-hmm. And the God had all this already set up. He He knew He's not working just on me. He's not working just on Grayson. He's working it all for good to mm-hmm. those that are called according to His purpose, His holy calling, His divine His purpose, not yeah. our purpose, but His purpose that he has put on each and every one of us, that he's saved by his darling son, by that grace that was shed on Calvary's cross. And the conqueror that came on the third day and rose and conquered it all. And not just, he didn't just conquer it, but he came back and showed himself. Mm-hmm. And he's not sending anybody when it all comes to a close. Well, he's not sending anybody, but we're going. he's going to receive us unto himself. The, the groom is coming for the bride. It, it ain't going to be the friend of the bridegroom. It is going to be the groom that comes to receive us to himself. And that, you know, we, we get all caught up in trying to get all these things figured out and for our life. Well, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm 35 and I'm, you know. And I'll, you're still not growing up. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm married and raising raising young'uns. And, I mean, that's just what I want to be. Yeah. I just want to be. The older I get, the more I understand that the best we can have is just to be a child of the yeah. king. We are not begging bread. We have not been forsaken. We have everything. It's it's what the Joneses have that we want in our coveting mm-hmm. and our, our lusting for the things that of are of this world. But it's not of that. It's yeah. is we are called I'm I work for a power company. I'm not I work there for a for a paycheck, but that is not who I am. I'm a child of the King, the Lord. What He put on my life was to be a preacher. Mm-hmm. I wished I could be a song leader. I wish I could sing like a bird, because if I could sing like a bird, I wouldn't ever shut up. But <laughs> and I'm as bashful as they come. I do not like standing in front of people. People think that I'm snobby just because I don't like to talk. But yeah. when the when the Spirit of the Lord comes on the scene and he gives me a thought i don't know i don't know where it's headed but i know that there's a great boldness that comes when he when he revelates a thought into my mind that all the anxieties all the worries just fade away because the purpose is bigger than me it's for a lost and a dying world it's for somebody that's walking along i heard something today and it it was really good that they was they was a uh he worked to a newspaper and the guy that was above him his boss was an atheist and he was a preacher and he he came in and he said i wanted to invite you to easter service and the guy's like you know i'm an atheist i'm not coming to that and he said well i just want to invite you god put it on me he put it in he gave me the unction to come and invite you to our easter service and i just wanted to invite you well, it was a few years later after, and nothing ever came, there was a man showed up and shook his hand and said, I just want to thank you. And he said, well, for what? And he said, when you came in to talk to him, knowing that he was an atheist, you did not know I was there, but I was on the other aisle praying for direction. And when you came and invited him to service, knowing his answer, but you were just sending out the call one more time. He said, I called my wife as soon as I got in the car, and I said, we're going to church. We're going to be there. And that was the Easter Sunday of the, when after he did that was when he give his he put his faith in Christ. His wife put her faith in Christ. 
and that was the that was the turning point of his life of getting get going to the father. But so many times we just sit and we eat the husk, and we mm-hmm. that, that there's better there's. But you, I have a hard time letting somebody do something nice for me. I always feel like I have to repay them. I have to if somebody gets me a meal, if somebody does something, it is is inside. I don't know why, but I I have a hard time with it. But as Jesus is the lady with the alabaster box, he says, I'm not always going to be here with you. Jesus was able to take that of somebody wanting to serve him and just be grateful for it. And, you know, she, <laughs> they said, we could have sold that for a bunch of money. Yeah, you could have sold it for a bunch of money. But it was not, it was not about that. It was about the moment in time that she spent with him and that he allowed her to do it and she was able to do it to him. What she, all he wants is our best. He just wants a, a open heart that's willing is, you know, is, uh, Isaiah said, he's a, here I am, send me. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm unclean lips. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be a preacher. I'm not, but the Lord put a calling on each one of us. He saved us for a reason. He wants us to be overcome. He wants us to be conquerors because we are conquerors because we're joint heirs with that of Christ. But, you know, as I don't even know half the time what I'm, I just, I just love the spirit. And when he comes on the scene, I don't, I, he's the one that gives me the words. And a lot of times I'm like, Grayson says, I just fumble all over myself. Yeah. But, but I will fumble all over myself, giving announcements in the, I would rather do anything but to welcome the church. I, I want everybody to feel welcomed, but Jonathan talking. I do not have words, <laughs> but you give it rolls around to the preaching hour, and there is nothing in this world I would rather do. I will bad mouth it, and I'll say I don't like preaching all it. But when the Spirit of the Lord comes on the scene, and I get to relax for a few minutes, there's once you step off and get into the Lord's hands, and you feel Him cradle you like you hadn't mm-hmm. been cradled. It there's no deep sleep that will feel. Like the Spirit of the Lord, there is nothing. I've I've run away from the when I was running for my preacher calling. I run and I tried everything in the world to do to get to get that burning to get away from me, but it was shut up in my bones. I mm-hmm. knew I had to do it, and it it burnt me. And there was nothing, there was nothing in this world that would fill that void like the Spirit would. Yeah, and. and- you mentioned that about being conquerors. Now, it's funny you say that. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we don't wrestle. I mean, there's things in this world that we do wrestle against, but that's not who we're fighting against, so to speak. I mean, and our warfare, our battle is is not of this world. It's spiritual. But there are things in this flesh that are enemy of God's. And the Bible tells us, like you said, that we're more than conquerors. And we've got to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going somewhere with this. But I'm like you are. And I want I want you to think about it this way. And for those of you that don't know me, I'm short. I'm, I'm a small-statured man. I ain't quite as small as David. But I am. I'm, I'm a smaller guy. And... And I, I'm not the strongest dude ever in the world, neither. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just not. And... But when God shows up and God comes on the scene, just like you, and he pulls my flesh out and he takes hold, I feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof. I'm ready to fight. I can fight all day long because I got God on my side. And I think we've gotten to a place, and and I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but I feel like we've gotten to a little bit of a place where um, it almost seems like all these preachers are, they talk and they bad mouth about preaching or or they're really prideful about preaching, one or the other. There's no in between, and and really, honestly, the I don't like to say I don't like to say anything prideful. I never want to be prideful, but it's all right to be excited when God has showed up on the scene and has pulled your uh, your your sorriness or you you as a sorry human being pulled you out and took hold and started working and doing through you. And so many times I. I forget about that. I mean, and his mercies are new every day. Just just because he did it yesterday don't mean that he won't do it today. 
He's got a fresh batch, a fresh set. He can pop the top on them things. They're going to be just as fresh and just as new as they were the day before. And so many times, and you mentioned this too, in this society that we live in, we try to, uh, everything is planned in the future. What am I going to do when I grow up? What am I going to, where am I going to work here in a few years? What am I going to eat for supper? What am I going to, where am I going to go on vacation? All the, our society is literally planned out. To do anything in this world, you've got to plan. We had to plan when we were going to get together to record the podcast. But the Bible says, take no thought for tomorrow. And I believe it goes on to say, because tomorrow will take care of itself. That's right. And the Bible also says that today is the day of salvation. If you keep your mind, and that's the issue, that's where these worries, these fears, these anxieties, these problems, that's where they enter in is we start thinking ahead. We start putting our mind ahead of God. We start getting way far ahead of God when he's right now in this moment. Yes, he's working everything out for our good on down the line, but he wants us in this moment right now, worshiping him. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him in the moment that you are diligently seeking him. All he wants, and and the biggest thing that's helped me with every problem that I've ever faced Every time that I've wanted to give up, every time that I've wanted to throw my hands up, the biggest thing that ever helped me was realizing, number one, I did have a fight to fight. God needs good good soldiers, and it's time some of us put the armor of God on and got ready to fight. And that's a lot of our problem is we don't put that armor of God on, number one. But number one, get ready to fight. Number two, realize I can't do nothing about the future. The future will take care of itself but I can do something about right now. And if the Lord tells me to not take uh, take thought of tomorrow and not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself, then I have to make a mental and a conscious effort not to think, make a, make a, a thought or take a thought of tomorrow and then remember to diligently seek Him. In the moment, in the time that I'm living, in the right now, in the very second, I have to remind myself Diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. Because I guarantee you there will be a reward someday. God will help you and God will give you a blessing someday for that. And honestly, man, I I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes I I, I wonder, and especially when it's come to different problems, and we'll just use this for it, I've got asthma. There's been days I've been like, well, God, would you take my asthma away from me? And I meant it. I mean, I did. I still got asthma. You know, I mean, and when certain weather gets a certain way, I wheeze. When the weather get, you know, I get bronchitis or whatever. And it's the same thing with other things. Like, and you talked about how that you've not beat anxiety. You've not beat these things. Some of us may never beat them um, and, and may never get over them. But a lot of times we need to remember this. And most of the time we do need to remember this is Paul he said it was given to him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. Before that, what he prefaced that scripture with was he was talking to, I believe it was the Corinthians or maybe the Galatians one, um, but he prefaced it with saying, God done this to keep me in check so I didn't get too prideful. And God gave me a thorn in the flesh so that when I was doing these great things for God, that he was proud of, I didn't get lifted up within myself. And then he went on to say that then it was given to him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And God let that happen to keep old Paul in check. And then he said that he besought the Lord three times to take it away from him. And so I can see Paul over there. Now, some people say that it was his eyes. It could very well be an anxiety. Um, and I like, like to think a lot of times, and maybe it was. Maybe Paul wasn't that much different than I was. I can see Paul by a bedside somewhere, crying out to God, God, would you take this away from me? God, rid me of this. God, rid me of this. Take this away from me. Knowing good and well, if he didn't have that, keeping him in check, Paul would have had a big head like you never seen. And then the Lord come to him finally after the third time and said, Paul, Have you not realized this already? My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
For when I am weak, then is he made strong. When God breaks us down and takes us, no matter what it is, it could be bad things in our life. It could be what we're talking about in this episode. It could be all manner of things. When God takes us and breaks us down, or we get broken down. I'm not going to say that God himself necessarily breaks us down, but when we get broken down and we become a, a weak or a broken vessel or a vessel marred in the potter's hand that cannot hold water, when we do that, that just shows the strength of the Father. When we get behind the pulpit to preach and we fall under the unction of the Holy Ghost of God and we let the flesh fall off, that old broken vessel falls off and we're showed as weak, and we let the flesh be weak, God shows up in his strength and his goodness and his mercy, and he said in one place, I will fight for thee. We don't have to fight. We just got to be willing right. and then willing to step out of the way. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and that's a big, big thing, man. I'm telling you, like, you look at you look at all of this and how many times we have found ourselves in a place of not realizing that God's grace was sufficient. And number one, we got to realize the deepness of God's grace. His grace showed to us through his son, Jesus Christ, showing us that and showing us his or the unmerited favor toward us. And that's all we need. That's sufficient. That'll get us through anything. That'll that that sets us up, sets the stage, so to speak. Um, But, you know, I mean, we could ramble on about this for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, well, the the two thoughts that keeps coming to my mind was David. You know, he you was talking about that, um, like you have asthma and God, but you know, David had to fight a bear. He had to fight a lion before he got to Goliath, mm-hmm. and he had to go out. And then all of a sudden, here's this little ruddy boy with a sling, and here comes Goliath. He said, "I don't need this armor." I've, I've got them all scared over there. And then here's David. Who's this uncircumcised Philistine that's defying the armies of living? Why are y'all not standing up? If you say what you believe, if you really believe it, one of y'all will go out there. But since all of you scared, here we go. <laughs> and, you know, I can just see here comes this little boy. And Goliath ain't, he ain't worried about it. He, here's, here comes a dog, you know. But when Goliath hit the ground... The sword was there. Mm -hmm. It was provided for David to do what he needed to do. And I can just see him walking back to Saul because it said that he cut the head off Goliath, told him back, here's the one y'all been scared of. I went out there with what I had proven. And when it comes to you talking about the armor of God, we have to know what the sword says. It says that the sword is the word of God. Amen. We have to know what the sword says. We have to be confident in our our helmet of salvation. We have to put on that breastplate. We have to be confident and not just go out tomorrow and say, well, I'm going to put it on. If you're going to put it on, use it. Prove it. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to prove it, then what's the point in putting it on? God give us that armor for a reason so that we would know without a shadow of a doubt when we go out with our helmet on, when the breastplate, when our loins are girded, our feet are shod, we have the sword of salvation we, or the Word we have the the sword of the other word now the spirit we can go out and we know we know how it works I've heard some of them talk about them old preachers that it seemed like when they would stand up they would read the scripture and it was like they held the spirit and they knew how it worked and how that it would unfold and they would they knew it because they walked with it they talked with it they were in it day in and day out and. I don't know about any anyone else, but a lot of my problem is I get so caught up with reading, I like a Western book, I like all these other things, that I neglect reading what will help me in my life and not just to like check out for a few yeah. minutes. But some of the best times I've ever checked out was when I got a hold of some good scripture and then the Spirit, it said the, the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. When the Lord come by and begin to revelate and begin to open my eyes and show me that how that it related to me, that it, it may have happened, 
three, four, five thousand years ago, but it it relates to me. It's a living word, and it mm-hmm. it works. And His grace is sufficient. I said I have not conquered anxiety, but it's not because God has not already conquered it. It's because I keep going back to the mud hole. Yeah, and it, <laughs> well, you know that mud was awful nice while I was there. Well. I, he pulled me back out of that Maury clay for me to keep going. But yeah. a lot of a lot of my problems is I keep wanting to go back. I keep wanting to to. I come from a long line of warriors, and yeah. a lot of my life I have said, "Well, I'm gonna worry because I come from warriors, and we're just warriors, and I can't help but be a warrior." That wasn't what God said. No. He said, "Let tomorrow, tomorrow take care of itself." Yeah, is it, it? All bad habits have an end in place. Yeah, and that was that was what came to me, and was kind of part of my turning was, if I don't break the habit of worrying, if I don't really walk the walk instead of just talking it, then my boys is not going to see an example in me. To follow, mm-hmm. it's my job. I've heard it. I don't know how many times that mamas raise babies, men raise men, mm-hmm. and if I'm not willing to stand up and proclaim His name and call sin sin, knowing that I'm sinful, but call it what it is and call it out for what it is, because I don't answer. I. I love my deacons at sitting down, but I don't answer to them. I That's answer right. to the one that sent me. And he, God was the one that put us on this path. We have to call sin, sin, and be willing to go to the very end, holding on to what he said. Because it's not it's not our call. It, it, they didn't ask when God was handing out jobs. He did not say, what do you want to do? That was not in the plan. No. If it was up to me, I would sing songs. <laughs> I'd be the best little door holder you ever seen. <laughs> but that wouldn't. That I, I like getting into that. Uh, what we're called with that holy calling. But he give us he give us all. But he wants us to call it for what it is, and he pinned it down so that it would not kill us, but that it would give us life. And knowing that we could not hold that line. So he sent us, he sent his son that could walk that line so that we would, through him, we would be able to get in to the other gates of glory, that we would have a home eternal, that we would, because a way that we would know, because that way is straight and it's narrow, but he's standing. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, the life. Mm -hmm. Nobody gets to the Father but by the Son. When he came in, riding in, he was not the judge. He was the advocate. He was the way that we could get to the judge. He come riding in. He come riding in on that foal. He come in because he did not. He was not the judge. He was the advocate for us that where we could we could just cry out and in, mm-hmm. in our weak state and as pitiful as we are, he says I have a job for him. No matter what you may not you may have disabilities. Moses has stammering tongue. He said, I'm not able to. And he pushed it so far that he said, okay, I'll get Aaron. Where would Moses have been Moses have been, if he would have just said, you, you made me, you created me, you can do this. You can change the way I talk. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give this one, this one little story. And this is, this is where I, I understood there was a lot more that I did not understand than I understood. There was a, a man from Germany. He had been in the United States for a couple of days. He had married a lady that went to church with us. She was a, a she had went to Germany to teach English, but he he had went to the service. He did not know one word of English. The preacher got up and preached. He looked at his wife and says, "Something is going on. I do not know." But in, in German, he, I don't know what's going on. I just know that there's something in my heart that's going on. And she began to tell him, and he began to tell her. And he, she, in, in German, told him, just pray. Ask That man was saved not knowing one thing in the world that was going on. But there is a tongue that, any, that talks to the soul. It's not in English. 
It's not Spanish. It's not German. It is a, it's, the, it's the voice of God that talks to the soul when he breathed into Adam's nostrils to make him a living soul that he would understand when God spoke with yeah. that still small voice that it wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the wind. It wasn't in the fire. But that still small voice that talks to that soul that made it a living soul because he wants. There's there's room at the table for all that will and that all that will lay. You know, I, I like that song, The Chain Breaker, because he, he takes it all. He he can break everything that we we hold bond to. There's a there's a man that goes to church with us. He was he was out in the world as deep as you could go. And when the Lord called it out, he was he was saved on the side of the road beside his motorcycle. And he says, There is not I don't I don't want to go back to the drugs. I don't want to go back to all that. The that new heart that he established doesn't want to go there anymore. Because mm-hmm. it knows it knows there's destruction there. And a lot, you know, the devil knows us better than we know ourselves. He'll put those stumbling blocks before us. But it was not supposed to be a stumbling. It was a stumbling block for the Jew, foolishness to the Greek, but he revealed himself to the children. It's, it's, it's just so simple, but we make it so much more complicated than just to grab a hold of it and run with it. Yeah, Right's right. Wrong's wrong. You love him with everything you got. You love your neighbors yourself, and you keep trucking. And just be on fire for Jesus. You know, at... A lot of a lot of times we don't want to offend nobody, but you know sometimes somebody needs to be just offended a they little. They need bit. the toes stepped on. A toes stepped on. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't get your toes stepped on, you don't get them back up under the chair. Yeah, you know it's. But but he's an overcomer. He's going to do what what he said he would do, and that's exactly what he's going to do. And if there's one, if there's one little gap. Then it would all fall apart. But there's no gap in him. He isn't uh, the. I love reading the Bible because it's inspired. Each word is inspired, and when the Spirit will will let us know, he'll he'll give us strength. I the the verses you've read tonight. I that wasn't what the Lord. You know where mm-hmm. he shows us different things at different times in our life, and it's all good because it's all about Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. Every bit of it, the whole All the whole it. collection. But we're going to go ahead and kind of start landing the plane right here, and and, and kind of to close it because we're getting close to an hour. Uh, but kind of in closing, um, I do want to say this: you mentioned about the armor of God, and that armor of God. There's a reason that our shield is the shield of faith. It stands in front of us before anything else. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ then that ought to be in the front. And that's taking the brunt of the damage and the brunt of the load. And and I hope that, I don't know where you are, where you're from, where anybody's listening at, but I hope today that, that they've at least drawn something from this, realizing that we can't do this on our own. We need to be in the now, in today, seeking the Lord diligently with our whole heart. The Bible says, delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give thee the, the desires of thy heart. And And I hope somebody somewhere no matter what place they're in, can pick their head up and look and say, well, uh, you know, God does have a purpose for me. God's not done with me yet. Um, but it was good to have you on the podcast today, and, and we really enjoyed it. You you being the first, the number one famous guest on the podcast, you are now famous on the radio and across the world. Um but uh, but we appreciate you coming on, and, and we hope we can get you back on some other time. It's been an honor and a privilege to be here. And as you was talking about the armor, I'm going to leave this with you. I thought about in Ephesians where he's talking about that the man is the head of the woman, and the head of the man is Christ. We have the helmet of salvation to protect Amen. our head. We have that salvation. Put it on. Put it on. He's going to protect us. You cut somebody, you, that the head, when the head comes off, that's when it's all said and done. And he's protecting it to make sure that that don't happen. Mm-hmm. That what, there's, there's, there's no death. There's no more death. We, we took part in that first one so we can live forever. But I hope and I pray, as we, me and Grayson was talking, I, I know I, I hope there's been something part of tonight that will stick in your heart that will help you in the days that lie ahead. We are all on the same path. We are all going through the same things. 
but but God but like as we've we've talked about God's grace is sufficient and it will force it will see us through he he's not left us comfortless it tends one to teach us all things and he has not left us all forsaken as he'll see us all the way to the very end but like I said it's been an honor and a privilege to be here and I hope and I pray that there's been something that was said tonight that'll stick with you and help you in the days that lie ahead. Well, uh, I reckon we're going to go ahead and get everything wrapped up today on the Level Ground Podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope it was a help to you. If you need to reach out to somebody, if you need to talk to us, if you want to talk some more about something you're going through, reach out to us at levelgroundpodpod22 at gmail.com. And I'm sure Jonathan, just as much as I will, will be willing to talk to you however. We can, we can get it figured out. We will We will do a conference call if we've got to, whatever it may be. But remember, find us on Facebook. The Level Ground Podcast, Instagram, levelground.22. If you need a Bible, know, know anybody that needs a Bible. You know somebody that might want a Bible somewhere else. Uh, make sure you send them us and we'll give them a copy of God's Holy Word for free, completely free of charge. Until next time, stay grounded, my friends. <laughs>